The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. On this day in 1981, members of the drug-peddling Wonderland Gang were viciously beaten to death in their home on 8763 Wonderland Avenue, Los Angeles. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Molly Brandenburg. Hi, everyone. Some of you may recognize Molly from the other ParCast shows she hosts, including Medical Mysteries. Every week on Medical Mysteries, Molly and her co-host Richard investigate the strangest medical cases from history and follow the doctors who tried to solve them, often with their patients' lives on the line. Thanks, Vanessa. I'm excited to join you. Now, today, I'll be discussing some historical aspects of the crime while you cover the narrative, correct? That's right. And due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Now, let's go back to July 1st, 1981, around 3 in the morning. The denizens of 8763 Wonderland Avenue were sleeping peacefully in their home. The house was a known drug den, and its residents made their living by selling illegal narcotics. The group was known as the Wonderland Gang, and they were led by Ronald Lee Launius. His wife, Susan Launius, slept next to him in the master bedroom. Gang members William Raymond Billy Deverell and Joy Audrey Gold Miller shared the other bedroom in the house. Their friend, Barbara Richardson, was sleeping on the couch in the living room. It was commonplace for customers and close friends to crash at the Wonderland house, but Barbara had chosen a tragic night to stay over. She wasn't the only house guest on July 1st, and the other one had sinister plans. John Holmes was one of the most prolific porn stars of the time. He had starred in over 500 pornographic films. However, his career had slowed down the past few months. He began supplementing his income by selling drugs for the Wonderland gang. And it wasn't going well. John and the gang had fallen out, although the gang had no idea. The following is what police suspected happened the night of the murders. At three o'clock in the morning, John Holmes reportedly crept to the front door. He quietly unlocked it and opened it wide, allowing three men inside. These men were armed with metal pipes and hammers. They had come to send a message written in blood. The men attacked Barbara, leaving her body on the floor. 
Then they moved to Billy and Joy's room, sending the couple to the grave and their blood splattering against the wall. They ended their assault in the master bedroom. Ronald and Susan Launius screamed and begged for mercy. Their neighbors were awoken by the screams, but the couple was quickly silenced by the murderers. They beat the duo to a bloody pulp, and the neighbors, assuming someone was just joking around, went back to sleep. John Holmes, satisfied that the deed was done, led the three men back out of the house. All four fled the scene together. The sun rose and the day passed. The grisly scene in the Wonderland home went undiscovered. But meanwhile, one of the victims had managed to survive through the night. Susan Launius writhed on the floor of her bedroom. She'd suffered major brain damage and could hardly move, but the pain that racked her body drew out sharp moans and groans that echoed through the neighborhood. Around 4 p.m., a man working for a moving company overheard Susan's tortured voice and reported it to the police. Officers arrived shortly after. The police who saw the crime scene described it as even more gruesome and violent than the Manson murders. We'll discover the motive behind this gruesome crime after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On July 1st, 1981, four members of the Wonderland gang were beaten to death in their drug den at 8763 Wonderland Avenue. One victim had managed to survive the attack, but she suffered severe and lasting brain damage, making her unable to identify her attackers. My guest host, Molly, is here to discuss the investigation into the Wonderland murders. Thanks, Vanessa. Officers who arrived at the scene of the crime described it as more gruesome and much bloodier than the Manson murders. This description helped the Wonderland murders garner media attention, making it one of Los Angeles's most famous crimes of the 1980s. The slayings grew even more intriguing once they were tied back to celebrity porn star John Holmes. John had apparently built up an expensive drug habit, and by late June of 1981, he owed the Wonderland gang a substantial sum of money. He began selling drugs on their behalf, but his profits could not keep up with his growing debts. Before too long, the Wonderland gang threatened to kill him if he didn't pay up. John didn't have the money, but he could help the gang get what he owed and more if they were willing to take a little risk. On June 29, 1981, John went to purchase $400 worth of drugs from a man named Eddie Nash. 
Nash was a notorious drug kingpin himself, and he owned several of the most popular nightclubs in Los Angeles. John conducted the drug buy at Nash's home, but before he left, he unlocked Nash's back door without Nash knowing. That night, Ronald Lanius, Billy Deverell, and two unknown members of the Wonderland gang broke into Nash's home, guns blazing. They fired a few rounds to intimidate Nash, grazing his bodyguard's arm with bullets. They made Nash beg for his life at gunpoint, then forced him to open his safe. They grabbed everything inside, then fled the scene, leaving Nash and his bodyguards scared, but alive. That night, the Wonderland gang allegedly robbed Nash of $100,000 cash, 5,000 quaaludes, eight pounds of cocaine, some heroin, a bunch of jewelry, and even a few guns. Altogether, the stolen goods were worth more than $1 million. With the successful robbery, John Holmes' debt to the Wonderland gang was settled, and he was back in their good graces. However, it didn't take long for Nash to realize John had set him up, and Nash was furious. Nash abducted John and threatened to kill all of his friends and family if he didn't talk. John, knowing Nash was serious, did a few quick, shrewd calculations. It had only been a day or two since the Wonderland gang had last threatened to kill him. He was none too fond of them, and most importantly, he valued his life. He gave their names over to Nash, but Nash wasn't done. He demanded that John pay him back for setting up the robbery, and John again agreed. Except this time, John would be setting up the robbers themselves for bloody vengeance. At 3 a.m. on July 1st, 1981, John Holmes stated that he let three of Eddie Nash's men into the Wonderland house, and together, they committed one of the most gruesome acts of violence Los Angeles had ever seen, all to allegedly send a single message, do not cross Eddie Nash. While we know the full story of the murders today, at the time, police could not find enough evidence to convict any of the men involved in the slayings. The public would not know the full story of that crime until 1988, when John Holmes made a deathbed confession to his ex-wife and his girlfriend. But Holmes died of AIDS that year, and his second-hand confession was not substantial enough to get a conviction in court against Eddie Nash before his death in 2014. As a result, the Wonderland victims have gone without justice to this day. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Molly, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Medical Mysteries, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more stories like this one, be sure to check out ParCast's show, Unsolved Murders. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.